Open your Bibles, please, to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. Let me say, if you didn't attend Sunday school in an adult class, you missed out on a good lesson. We had a wonderful discussion about living for the Lord, letting people know that we're saved because of the life that we live. I want to thank your pastor for inviting me to come and speak. And, and I, I told my daughter I would go say this that's out of town. I said, I'm going to tell the church not to expect too much out of them because you left town because you heard I was coming. <laughs> no, I hope they have a good time, an enjoyable time. I hope they might see somebody get saved or may win somebody to the Lord while they're gone. All right? In 1 Samuel chapter number 30, if you would please, I'll ask you to stand, give you a chance to stretch, and we'll honor his word. It says, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziglag, and smitten Ziglag, and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captivity. That were therein. They slew not any, neither great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, and Hinnon and the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because of the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David, oh, notice that, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Get this. And David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Let's pray. Father, thou art a great God. Thou art wonderful. You're so gracious and kind. We'd ask you, Lord, that you would help us this morning as we try to expound upon the word. You know my heart's desire is to... Help someone here this morning that's saved and to help someone that's not saved to get saved. Father, we thank you for the good music that we heard, and we ask that you bless those who perform for us, Lord. Now we ask that you would use me for the next few minutes, and we'll not fail to bow our unworthy heads and give you the praise, for it's in Christ's name we do pray, and amen. This morning I come to to you to preach a message that I have preached many times. I have preached it from Florida to New York and as far as Colorado, according to my records. And it's such a needful, such a needful message to be preached, especially in the time which we live. And I want to speak for a little while on the subject of coping Coping with discouragement. Coping with discouragement. 
Now in the mountains of West Virginia, uh, you hear this said quite often. You know, when someone's going through a hard time, they say, well, just suck it up. How many's heard that? Or just get tough and go on. Well, when I looked up the word coping in the Webster's Dictionary, it takes on a different meaning. I found these words. Coping means dealing with a situation successfully. Discouragement. What is discouragement? Well, in the same dictionary, it says a loss of confidence or the loss of enthusiasm. And when I looked up the word discouraged, singular, I was amazed. It's only in the King James Bible one time. It is located in Numbers chapter 32 and verse 7. And also I found it rather interesting that the people who were discouraged there in the book of Numbers were Christians, God's people. Discouraged. Discouraged, discouraged, discouraged. You have been or you will be, or you're presently discouraged. Now, discouragement within itself is not a sin. But to stay discouraged is a sin. I wonder, I wonder who is here this morning that's discouraged. A crowd this size, I'm sure, there's a man or woman, a boy or girl, that is discouraged. Now, who's discouraged here in 1 Samuel chapter number 30? If you want to follow along, if you look there, you'll find that David and his loyal followers are really, really discouraged. Why are they discouraged? Well, they've been somewhere in a battle or been away hunting or getting provisions for the family. And they came back home to the town of Ziglag and saw nothing but smoke and ashes. And all their loved ones and family had been taken captivity. So they're discouraged. So why are you discouraged? Boy, you read this story here, you'll see they had a good reason to be discouraged. But what's your reason this morning? What's got you discouraged? What's got you walking around all this past week looking at your shoelaces instead of looking up? The Amalekites here had captured all the family. The families are gone. You know, there may be someone here this morning that the Amalekites may not have your child captured, but I wonder, does alcohol have them captured? Does drugs have them captured? Does this world have them captured? Is that what you're discouraged over? Or you're not the only one. Discouragement, discouragement, discouragement. To what degree was David and his men discouraged? Could I ask you, how bad is it in your heart? Is it really taking its toll on you? Well, you can have victory if you want it. But you look at the degree that the discouragement that David and his men had in verse number four. Look what it says. They cried until they couldn't cry no more. 
Has anybody in here ever heard of someone or see someone who cried and cried and cried and got to the point that they couldn't cry? And you know what they started doing? They started making a little noise back through their nostrils. It's called hyperventilating. Sound like an animal snorting. I've seen people that, who were so discouraged and so much despair upon them at that time that they actually did this. Not only that, but look in verse number six. The Bible says that David was greatly distressed. I looked up that word distressed. It means to be full of anxiety. You know, anxiety is a terrible thing. There's people who battle it day and night. And it, it gets even a little worse. You look in verse number six again. The men, remember those men who loved David that would do anything, they would die for him? Look what those men are now saying. We ought to stone him. Could I say to you this morning tenderly, if you're discouraged, you know that you're discouraged, you want to watch your tongue. It's the wrong time to use your tongue when you're discouraged. Notice here, these men said, let's, let's have David stone. What degree are you discouraged? You know when a pastor gets discouraged, and they do, they get discouraged. I probably talk to three pastors a week, discouraged. You say, they, they ought to be discouraged. You know why they're discouraged? They're just like you. You know why everywhere you look you see discouragement? You know why our police officers are discouraged? You know why the school system is discouraged? You know why the teachers are discouraged? Do you know why the children are discouraged? You know why Washington is discouraged? If they know what that word is. It's everywhere. Everywhere you look, you see discouraged. If there ever was a time, if there ever was a time to fill our hearts up with the love of God and love people and be kind to people, it's now. Yes. It's a discouraging time. Preacher, I come to be encouraged. I'm going to encourage you. But to what degree are you discouraged? These guys wanted to stone David. Now notice, when a pastor is discouraged, his success starts downhill. And when the whole church gets discouraged, guess what they want to do? They want to stone the pastor. And when a whole church gets discouraged, it affects everyone. It affects not only the church directly, but it affects the community. Every side street, every person, all the places of business, it just takes on a tremendous ramification. Yeah. Did you ever notice a Christian doing strange things? Some, somebody seated here this morning knows somebody just all of a sudden quit church and took off and went somewhere else and find out later they went there a while, then they went somewhere else a while. Then you, next time you see them, they're not going to church at all. And you wonder, why would they do that? Did you ever think about discouragement? Discouragement, like I said, Barney Fife says, if it's not nipped in the bud, it causes serious problems. Then I want you to notice, what was David going to do? Mom, what are you going to do? Dad, what are you going to do? 
Husband, wife, what are you going to do? Young people, what are you going to do? You know you're discouraged. David has to do something. David found out, and we need to find out that Christianity cannot be tied to feelings. Feelings come and feelings go. You may leave the church on cloud nine, and, and tomorrow at noon I may find you, and you're walking on your lip. Christianity is tied to action. What does David do? He goes to action. Notice in verse number six, it says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. If you read that through, you'll find out he encouraged himself in the Lord before he prayed. You discouraged this morning? Would you just pause and think of just one thing God has done for you? Do I get discouraged? Sure I do. But I can't just stay discouraged when I know that both of our daughters are saved. And when I know that all of our grandchildren are in church. And when I know that I got out of bed this morning, the roof didn't leak. And when I went in the kitchen to open up the refrigerator, the refrigerator's full of food. And when I get back home, there's still plenty of food to eat. I got a car to ride in. I got finances to put the gas in to get here. You discouraged? Why don't you just start thinking about what God has done for you? I believe old David sees this situation. He says, well, you know, I remember that line interrupt me and my sheep herding. God and I took care of the line. I remember the bear, too. God and I took care of the bear. And I remember just, a, just an overgrowing teenage boy going up against a giant. And only had five smooth stones. I remember what God did. We brought old Goliath down. What has God done for you? What has he done for you? Could I get you to reminisce a little bit about the goodness of God? So how did he encourage himself? He just started thinking about the goodness of God. Old David saying to himself, I can just see him. Boy, it's time to lean on God. I venture to say every family in here has a ladder, either in the basement or, or hung up on the side of an outbuilding there at your house. Do you know that's a very important thing to have around? But did you ever take it out in the yard and stand it up and try to climb it? It just don't work. But you know what you can do? You can lean it up against the building and go up and take care of a problem. You can lean it up against the side of another building or a porch or, or a, an eve of a house and where there's a problem, go right up and take care of it. There comes a time when you realize you're discouraged and thinking about the good, and the thing, good things that God has done for you. It is time to lean on him. Lean on the Lord. In John chapter 15, verse 5, for without me, guess what? You can do nothing. I looked up that word nothing in three dictionaries. All three of them had the same meaning 
not one single thing. What can you do without God? Nothing. But he wants to help you. What else did David do? He reminded himself of God's promises. You know, all of God's promises to, to David is to me and, and you too. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, it says, And the Lord, he it is that, that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed or discouraged. He don't want us to be discouraged. What did David do? He reminded himself of God's presence. You know, everybody, I hear, I hear this all the time, and I'm not throwing stones. It's not a bad statement. People say, I have an angel runs around with me. I have a guardian angel looks after me. Guess what I have? I have God the Holy Spirit living in me and has been in there since the day that I was born again, September the 5th, 1973. Guardian angel, it's biblical. You can have them, but I've got the Holy Ghost that's leading and guiding and directing me in my Christian life. Listen to what it says about his presence in Psalms 61, verse 2. It says, from the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed, when I'm discouraged. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That rock there is symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's waiting for you to turn to him. Then in Psalms 121, verse 1 and 2, what does it say? I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made the heavens and the earth. Then he reminds himself of the peace of God. Do you know we're guaranteed peace from this book? And when you're overwhelmed and discouraged, peace goes on vacation. But it's readily available for you if you want it. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You're discouraged? He's waiting for you to tell him. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, when you get discouraged, it affects your heart. Then it starts troubling your mind. Then you just become overwhelmed. Then he reminded himself that it was action time. Now, he's been thinking all along here about the goodness of God. Then he says, prayer time. Mom, Dad, has it come to a place it's time to pray? Notice this. Oh, David prayed, and in verse number 8, he said, do I pursue the Amalekites? Do I go off after them, chase them down? Guess what? If you let me, don't, I don't, I don't mean this in a negative way. In hillbilly West Virginia language, here's what God said: "Go get them, boy." Yeah. 
said, you go get them, and you'll defeat them. You'll not only defeat them, but you're going to get everything back plus more. That was the prayer that was made. Then in verse number 9, you'll see where David believed. David and his men went off after the Amalekites. Then down in verses 16 through 20, you'll find that David was given a great victory. He goes from so discouraged that he had cried till he couldn't cry. And now we see something happen in between. Now we seem overjoyed and rejoicing in the Lord. Could I ask you this morning, is your faith choked? Are you letting your eyes control your heart? Has your joy seemed like it's going on vacation? Does it seem like all your spiritual energy has been zapped? Well, I must say this, and I'll say it tenderly. You're parked down there in Discouragement Valley. It's not a good place to be. I challenge you to dwell. Dwell on God's past blessings. What has he done for you? Coming up as a young boy, Hey, we were so poor, we spelled poor 1-0. That's how poor we were. But looking back, God, God has blessed me probably more than most of the people in the building. Just been so gracious and so kind to me. You say, what are you doing on a cane? That's God's business. I didn't know taking a flu shot would paralyze me. It's just one of those things. Did it discourage you? Yes, about three or four days. But I'm up and running again. Are you discouraged? Then confess to him that you're discouraged. Say, Lord, preacher's right. I'm discouraged. I'm just not in a good frame of mind. The zeal in my heart to work for the Lord is just not there like it has been in the past. Tell him that. Then I challenge you before you leave the church auditorium that you'd find you a place down here to pray and thank him for what he's done for you. Thank him for his goodness and ask him to restore you back, deliver you from that discouragement. And I want to close with this. See that when the Lord saved you, he had a purpose for you. Listen, I didn't know who the devil was until I got saved. But when I got saved, it wasn't two or three days I knew who he was. And it's been a fight ever since. I'm not complaining. I'm on the winning side, and, and victory lane is, is up ahead. But I found out he didn't save me just so he'd have a chance to encourage me. Part of him saving me was so I could encourage someone else. Listen to this. A few weeks ago, well, it's been several weeks ago, I went to my doctor. And before I left his office, he said, 
you need to start thinking about giving up your driver's license. Give that some thought, man. Give that some thought, ladies. When I caught the elevator, went downstairs, walked out on the parking lot, I'll tell you something if you won't tell nobody. I was a discouraged man. But all the times he delivered me before, I just waiting for him to deliver me again. And just a few days later, I received this letter. He didn't know my circumstance, but God did. Said, Preacher, I want to thank you for all the times that you've been an encouragement to me and my family. I'm sure you won't remember this. About 12 years ago, I decided I'd quit. Just too many things going on in my life. I couldn't handle it. Said, I walked up on my porch after coming home from a day's work opened up my mailbox and opened up a letter from you. For some reason or other, you knew all about my problem. And when I read that, I was so encouraged. And then he goes on to say, I guess you know by now, I haven't quit. And I don't plan on quitting. I wonder who's here this morning. That could make a difference in somebody's life. I wonder who's here this morning to know somebody that's discouraged. I wonder if there's someone here that knows some mother or some father or some young person that's discouraged. It would just take a stamp. In about five minutes of your time and just stop at the post office and drop in the box or pick up a telephone. Get off Facebook long enough to encourage somebody. Are you discouraged this morning? Writer James says these words in chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil, and guess what? He'll flee from you. Now what I'm about to say, I'm saying we'll say it very tenderly. If you're here this morning and you're discouraged and you're not saved, only thing I can do is say, just handle it the best way you can. But guess what? I recommend Christ. I recommend Jesus take care of your number one problem, and that's your lost soul. Then he's obligated to hear your and answer your prayers. Turn to him after you're saved. I guarantee you he'll help you. He'll help you. Are you discouraged this morning? Again, I'd find me a place down here. Husband and wife, I'd hold hands if you're both discouraged.
and spend some time thanking him for what he's already done for you and just thank him for what he's going to do for you and just confess to him, Lord, I'm sorry. Help me get out of this rut. Would you do that, Father? Someone here, I'm sure, need to hear that message. Lord, I look back and I thank you for all the times that you have delivered me. Lord, take the message now and apply it to that very heart that needs it the most. And Lord, if we are so blessed to have someone here in our presence that's unsaved, may this be the day that they'd walk this aisle and surrender their self to you, Lord, and accept you as their personal Savior and become a part of the greatest family on this earth, the family of God. Now, Father, take the message and use it for your glory and honor. In Christ's name I pray, and amen. Would you stand with me, please? I'm going to have the pastor come here and stand. If you're discouraged, don't be ashamed of it. If you want someone to pray with you, he'll pray with you. Would you come? I wonder if there's somebody here this morning and you know somebody that's discouraged. Maybe have quit church. Going through a lot of difficulty. Would you just sneak out of your pew and just come here and kneel and pray for that individual? Would you come? I tell you one thing, preacher, that really stuck out to me in my heart was this statement that he made. It's not a sin to be discouraged, but it is a sin to stay discouraged. And what an amazing thing. David did not wait on God to encourage him. He encouraged 
himself. Some of us are staying discouraged because we think it's God's job to encourage us. God's done enough to encourage us for a thousand lifetimes. It's our job to encourage ourselves. I don't know if there's any time limit on how long you can stay discouraged and it not be a sin, but may I say this? Who wants to stay discouraged? God's done enough. You can encourage yourself. And so what a needed message for the day and the hour that we live. Amen. Wasn't that a needed message? Discouragement is all around us. And listen, let us as individuals, as a church, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Let's encourage ourselves so others don't have to encourage us, but we can be the encouragement. Who is it in your life that needs to be encouraged? Maybe a spouse, maybe a child, maybe a parent, maybe a neighbor, maybe a friend, maybe a coworker. Why don't you make it your mission to do something to encourage them this week? The Bible says he that refreshes others is often himself refreshed. And so if you need a blessing, be a blessing. And uh, God can use that. Thank you, preacher, for the message. Thank you, church, for listening intently. And uh, what a joy it is to be in church today. If you've not been saved, call on the Lord Jesus Christ and trust Him as your Savior. This afternoon, we'll gather back. Prayer meeting at 5.30. Evening service at 6 o'clock this evening. And uh, remember, pray for our nation. Pray for our church. Pray for all of our students, um, teachers, medical workers. Uh, it's unreal. The report is that the hospitals are overrun with sick people. But yesterday, a million college football fans gathered together, huddled together, loved on each other, cried on each other, fought each other, sneezed on each other. And uh, what an unusual day it is, my goodness. What an unusual day it is. And so uh, be wise, be vigilant, be sober. And remember, Jesus is coming for the church. Amen. So let's have a word of prayer. Then after we pray, you'll be dismissed and we'll gather back this evening. Thank you again, preacher. Thank you, Miss Blankenship, for being with us today. Thank you for being with us today. God bless you. Uh, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we do rejoice today, God, that we have the joy of your salvation and God, thank you that you sent Jesus to die for us. God, no matter what it is that we're facing today, we can encourage ourselves. God, weeping may endure for the night.